Welcome to this uh, talk on nature from the viewpoint of dharma and religions. And uh, let's begin with a thought experiment. Uh, let's assume that this is uh, year uh, 2050 and that global warming has taken its toll and the civilization is coming to an end. So uh, people are dying all around you. And uh, big damage has been done to the civilization and uh, still some people would survive. But in the same time, what happens is a Corona-like virus attacks everyone. This is highly, highly infectious and it attacks everyone. And the virus is very strange. It does not kill people, but it actually eliminates your, it destroys your memory. And therefore what happens is people fall into this amnesia kind of a thing. They forget everything about their technology, about the techniques of the civilization, about the science of it, and so on and so forth. So uh, if we go into this thought experiment, what will happen is something like, let, let's assume that something like 2 million people, 20 lakh people survive in various parts of the world. and. Uh, they survive and they, they are there for, uh, for some time and then their progenies uh, take place. And finally, what happens is something like 2150, year 2150, there are a lot of people who, who are now into the new kind of uh, environment, new kind of civilization for the first time. And they don't know anything of the past. So the technology is not known. They don't know whether they are Hindus, they are uh, Christians, they are Muslims. The religion is completely gone. Dharma is completely gone. My question to you is, and although this is an online thing, uh, we can ponder over this for a moment. Uh, my question is, what will these new people who do not have any kind of memory, who, are, who have this amnesia kind of a situation in which they have forgotten all their identity, all their past identity rather, uh, what would what would they worship now? And the answer should become quite obvious because right now what is happening is they have become totally dependent upon the forest. They have become totally dependent upon uh, the plants, animals around them. And so obviously the first thought they would have to worship anything would be the forces of nature. And these forces would include typically things like sun, moon, earth, fire, sky, whatever uh, elements of, of nature. So the first worship which comes and which comes naturally is the worship of the environment, of the nature. And therefore, if you, if you see our kind of sacred texts, typically the uh, Rig Veda, and all the Vedas, why only Rig Veda? I mean, even Athar Veda, for that matter, has uh, has uh, a chapter called uh, Prithvi Sukt, in which Mother Earth has been prayed uh, as as a, as a divine force. So, what happens is, and this is Dharma. So, in nature, Dharma will arise automatically, spontaneously. It will happen in a sahaj, what is called sahaj, in a sahaj manner. Uh, it, it has to happen that dharma will be kind of intertwined with nature with uh, and the prakriti will be worshipped in all its forms. 
in fact outside it will be prakriti uh, the various elements say the rivers mountains trees animals inside it will be this devta which is representing this this uh, prakriti so outside and inside there would be a kind of sense of divinity a, sign, a sense of being intertwined with the nature and this is dharma so dharma is essentially intertwined with nature it is interwoven it is inseparable actually it is one with prakriti and dharma and prakriti cannot be separated for that very reason and the relationship between the humans and the prakriti would be a kind of divine one in the sense that humans would know that they are, they are deriving everything including their food and everything else all the resources from the nature and therefore it would be what is called a mother child kind of a relationship and this you can see in in vedas you have uh, for example i told you about prithvi soup there is a mother child relationship there essentially you should also note in this experiment that when nature is being worshiped nature has immense amount of diversity and uh, therefore all elements would be worshiped so typically a river a mountain trees animals everything is being worshiped and that implies that dharma would inherently be polytheist that many many devtas many forms many elements of nature would be worshiped so it is automatically a polytheist kind of a situation where you have worship of large number of gods uh, which represent various elements of of nature you would also if you closely see this uh, experiment you would also note that dharma is it has to be i mean the, without anyone telling you that this was your way of worship you have automatically started to worship nature so the fundamental principle of dharma returns even if civilization ends and therefore actually dharma is sanatan and that is why we call it as sanatan dharma dharma is always sanatan because no matter what happens whether the civilizations are decimated they are destroyed the fundamental principles of the civilization that is dharma will come back in the mool prakriti it will always happen and the worship of the mool prakriti will always happen also if we go further into this experiment we realize that one day when these people are exploring around them because they they are they are new in the system ecosystem and this ecosystem will be in pristine quality now because humans have kind of stopped their intervention and we have seen this happening in the case of corona where hardly in a matter of 3 months or 4 months the state of environment has hugely improved so nature would be lush kind of uh, uh, and it would be very diverse and very rich kind of uh, situation uh, all around them and uh, when humans start to explore because humans are have a nature of exploration kind of thing inside there inside them they would explore new kind of fruits new kinds of foods new kinds of uh, uh, fruits new kinds of uh, vegetations new kinds of herbs and one day by experiment it would happen that by taking a particular herb or a particular plant they would invariably go into an altered state of consciousness these are psychedelics these are called psychedelics we have them plenty in nature and they produce what is called dmt 
which is the same thing which is produced in, in meditations also. And therefore, what will happen is the moment they take this, they would realize that there is a huge connection between everything that they themselves as humans are connected to the entire nature in a very intricate kind of a manner and there is a web of life which is which is teeming all around them so it is they are not just individuals they are a small part of the entire nature and therefore this is what is called ecocentric worldview in which Ecology is at the center of the worldview, of the center of perception, or the center of understanding. And we realize that humans are a mere part of that ecology. They are not over the ecology or nature. They are a mere part of, small part of that nature. And then what happens is because altered states of consciousness are possible, people do meditations, typically in our civilization, the Indian civilization, uh, this was done very, very systematically. The meditations were kind of done for ages together and were done in a very, very systematic uh, manner, recorded everything kind of. And our whole civilization was, in fact, after this experiment of, uh, of uh, trying to find out the nature of oneself. And therefore, the nature of oneself did, uh, in, in relation to the entire prakriti. And uh, once meditations happens there is a realization that there is what is called a consciousness and that consciousness itself is taking various forms and therefore it becomes from subtle from being sushma to gross sthul and it is taking various forms in in uh, in uh, its kind of uh, play and uh, from being subtle most subtle let's say in the form of devtas it becomes humans the same consciousness takes the shape of animals. The same consciousness appears as plants, rivers, mountains, stones, and so on and so forth. And therefore, this entire world, as we see, the outside world becomes kind of worshipable. It becomes hugely divine because the consciousness itself is the divine principle. And therefore, what happens is we regard the entire prakriti as being immensely divine and therefore worshipable and therefore this is what is called leela it is the leela of the consciousness which uh, which which is important and we see divinity all around we see that everything is a play of this leela actually and therefore everything becomes kind of worshipable everything becomes kind of divine it is to be considered sacred and so on and so forth and so this eco uh, kind of centric worldview is immensely it will it will immediately imply that things are actually divine around you and worshipable and living with the cycles of nature because now you are living with the with the nature in the nature you would realize that there are cycles of sun moon uh, there are cycles of time there are cycles of materials and you would also come to realization that one type of body is the food for another type of body so the same material is being circulated again and again. There are cycles of this. And you would actually see that the dead body goes into the uh, mud and uh, into the earth. And then it, it kind of uh, rejuvenates itself in the form of plants, etc., etc. It provides nourishment to that. So things and entire ecology will build upon that. Uh, not just plants, but large number of insects, etc., etc. 
and you realize that life is actually it's, it's going on in cycles there is a connect between you and everything else and that you yourself are taking various forms and then uh, that uh, there are cycles of life and birth and the moment this happens when you realize that this is this life as it is is not the only kind of chance that you have got uh, to evolve yourself you realize that it's a play and uh, it's the same consciousness which is playing around in various forms you realize that there are many many chances you will get to evolve and therefore the psychological pressure to perform actually it, it disappears and life becomes hugely kind of a celebration a perpetual celebration a play a leela which is taking place around you 24 by 365 and therefore if you see any of these tribal uh, uh, kind of uh, cultures you would find that huge amount of celebration is there in their life it's dancing singing it's socializing meeting people it's all kind of art forms which 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 emerge from this kind of uh, uh, realization that everything is a kind of divine play and it's it's all leela going on and you will be in a bliss this is very unlike our civilization which has gone into some kind of uh, anxiety depressed people you you see people with a lot of anxiety depression etc etc these days uh they have everything but uh, not the internal bliss not the internal joy uh in in a quest for making careers for earning money for earning fame we have lost that kind of uh, connect with the with the nature which should have emerged automatically in a dharma kind of a situation and therefore if you see these uh, these uh, Uh, tribal societies you will find that people are full of joy and full of ananda what can be called as anand and this is the joy of existence when you are aligned with dharma so being aligned with dharma implies that you are aligned with nature and this automatically will result in divinity all around you and this automatically will result in kind of ananda or joy blissfulness from inside you which is the blissfulness of existence you are happy because you are kind of situation and uh, you would see that dharma is so very aligned to uh, to uh, prakriti or nature that uh, when you try to uh, to do an experiment on uh, yourself trying to find out who you are in relation to everything else uh you go into what is called so there are four ashrams and you go into what is called vanprastha ashram the third ashram uh in which you have to go to the forest so basically if you really want to explore who you are if you find want to find out your relationship your existence the nature of your existence you have to go to a forest for this precise reason that dharma and prakriti or nature they are aligned with each other uh, let us now go back uh, to uh, the nature of religions and uh, particularly the monotheist religions so i'll i'll discuss only the monotheist uh, part of it and i let's go back to the experiment uh, thought experiment which we were doing 
and uh, let us ask ourselves as to what is the chance of a monotheist religion appearing in this uh, in this scenario and the chance will be nil because everyone is experiencing the same kind of worship around themselves you are in nature and you are in a very thick and luxuriant kind of a nature which is extremely rich and uh, therefore uh, rivers are flowing because you have to get water from them so you naturally will have to settle near the rivers and there is forest all around mountains <coughs> animals plants it's a very rich kind of ecosystem and therefore there is worship of everything around you it's everything is divine but there cannot be a there is no chance that somebody will say or claim that there is an exclusive god who talks only to this person and who who this person is having an exclusive access to this particular god this god idea the exclusive god idea will not immediately arise it will arise much later in the mind of someone uh, and in the person in whose mind this will arise you may call him a prophet but certainly this will not arise in nature it will arise in somebody's mind and my question is to whom will this idea come will this come to a person uh, who's kind of a common person or let us say a beggar on the street uh, how even if it came to him the idea came to him and he told you that he has exclusive access to a to an exclusive kind of a god who doesn't want to talk to anybody else you would laugh at him uh, you would condemn him you would laugh at him you would think he's a lunatic person he's out of his mind and therefore if you see the history of these cults or religions you would find the same thing happening uh, for a long time christians were a laughing stock in in europe for a very long time christians were a stock were a small kind of a cult and uh, they were laughing stocks for a very long time uh, muhammad was kind of he, in fact he had to leave uh, makkah and he had to go to medina he was persecuted because people would not believe actually there's no no way people will believe it is their own experience in large numbers that nature is divine uh, that god is in everything uh, therefore this idea of an exclusive single kind of a god is is kind of uh, will not be acceptable but this would become acceptable only when someone who's sitting in power most likely political power would get this idea so typically for example if we see our own history of civilization we find that uh, the first idea which came was probably to and there would have been many more but the recorded ones we see hammurabi in babylonia in around 1750 1800 bc he uh, laid his own uh, kind of code and uh, he did realize other gods but for him he was the representative of one particular god this idea became more and more kind of concrete with time and it was finally in egypt in akhenaten's uh, time around 1350 bc or so uh, that and in fact akhenaten actually destroyed the temples of uh, of other gods typically amun and he took his surname as aten uh, akhenaten Uh, in the name of the god aten and he started the worship of aten uh, i would like to point out here and we should uh, be clear on this that 
uh, and he uh, Akhenaten ruled on on in the name of Aten, uh, excluding all other gods, and claimed that he is the only kind of person who has access to Aten, and therefore if Aten is to be worshipped, Akhenaten is to be believed by his uh, masses uh, over whom he was ruling. So we should be clear on this kind of understanding that religions will arise the the claim not just the religion but the claim that somebody is having an exclusive access to a particular god will arise in the mind of someone and if we see the life history of moses you would find that in egypt moses actually grew up uh, uh, in egypt in the palace of the pharaoh and therefore from there uh, if you read the history you would find out that from there he picked up this idea that uh, there can be an exclusive god and there can be an exclusive access to uh, to to someone uh, who and that someone becomes important in the process so the idea is that the idea itself is exclusive to one person it is not universal unlike dharma where everyone kind of worships various forces of nature without anyone telling them it comes spontaneously it comes automatically nobody is going to tell someone to worship everything else around it but it comes automatically it is sahaj this is very different religion is very different this is not sahaj it will not come automatically somebody has to tell that he has access to a particular god and dharma arises in nature even if we see this in terms of geographical geographical location you would find out that the idea first came to the kings and emperors and therefore the idea arose in royal palaces which were cut off from the nature so royal palaces did not have the kind of uh, uh, i mean it's it's a built kind of a uh, construction and therefore the idea did not arise in the mind of somebody in nature it arises in royal palaces or in places which are largely cut off from from the luxuriant kind of nature and even if it arises in nature it would always arise in least kind of diverse ecosystems least rich or rather poor ecosystems it would never arise in rich luxuriant kind of nature where ecosystem is kind of very diverse and very rich because there the dharma will arise so a cult will never arise in in such a kind of ecosystem it would arise in desert like conditions which are dry fragile where where uh, you don't have rich kind of ecosystem and uh, the moment a cult arises in a rich ecosystem it will have elements of dharma inside it which means there would be emphasis on a universally available truth in religions the truth will never be universally available it's it's not possible because it's arising in the mind of someone and therefore because it is arising in the mind of someone that someone becomes extremely important supremely important and hence the claimant the individual claimant also becomes kind of uh, uh, worshipable and supremely important and therefore what happens is uh, uh, when you have these religions coming up these religions don't arise in in uh, in nature these religions will instead 
arise in somebody's mind and that somebody has to have political aspirations therefore you should understand and we should all understand this that just as dharma and nature are intertwined they are two faces of the same coin similarly religion and political aspiration for power they are intertwined they are interwoven they are inseparable they are one religion and politics goes hand in hand so this must be very clear to us that religion is not dharma dharma was intertwined with nature it is intertwined with divinity all around you religion is intertwined with politics with political aspirations to catch political power uh, for personal benefit and if you read the political history of religions you would actually find this in religion after religion uh, you take the example of christianity and islam who are more accepted as 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 the kind of representatives of religion you would find the same thing there uh, the church captured political power and uh, virtually the capture was so much that uh, people had to ultimately bring the concept of secularism in europe and the liberation from the clutches of church took a long time uh, europe fell into into a kind of what is called dark ages of a thousand years uh, all the art culture civilization was gone and uh, as soon as church came similarly in islam for example the politics is quite clear they in fact have a concept of khalifa or of caliphate uh, where khalifa is the, is the is the ruler in fact so the caliphate is to be established and islamic state is to be established now the question is what do religions think of nature uh, for dharma it was obvious dharma and nature are one if nature is there dharma will be there if, if dharma is there mool prakriti will be there okay so so mool prakriti and dharma they are one and the relationship in case of in case of of uh, dharma is that you would see the divinity all around you when you consider the religions <coughs> you would find that uh, uh, religions are occurring in somebody's mind they are arising in somebody's mind and they are talking of political power capturing political power through the use of religion uh, that is the aspiration now what has it got to do with nature uh, so we go back to to genesis and we find out that in scriptures there is a story of adam and eve uh, this is not uh, ardhanarishwar okay this is not the concept of ardhanarishwar in ardhanarishwar Uh, it is half male half female uh, it's a very divine divine form uh, the first form is half male half female it's is the sangam of what is called purush and prakriti in fact even there the name is purush and prakriti so so the name of of this ardhanarishwar is purush prakriti okay so it's again nature which is which is coming into play but if you see the story of adam and eve if we go back to that Uh, and i'm sure you would have heard about it so uh, they were not created together okay adam and eve were not created together firstly adam was created uh, on the day of creation of animals of of humans and uh, uh, 
Adam Eve was not a direct creation. Eve was created later because Adam was feeling very lonely. So God said, okay, for his company, for his enjoyment, for his pleasure, uh, we create what is called Eve. And the Eve was not a direct creation. Okay, one should be clear on this. It was not a direct creation of, of, uh, of God. God created her out of the rib of Adam. Okay, and for the pleasure of Adam, for giving him company. And uh, if you further go into this story, you find that they ate a, what is called a forbidden. Uh, so God has already told not to eat this forbidden fruit. But then they eat this particular fruit. And as a result, God is angry. Uh, remember, this is a God which is arising in the mind of somebody. He would have all the colors of the mind of that somebody. And that is why if, if, you, if you see the Indian civilization, there is a lot of emphasis when you do meditations, there is a lot of emphasis which is laid on purity of mind. But in religions, there is no emphasis on purity of mind. Now the, the God himself is arising in the mind of somebody and mind will have its own color. And therefore the God himself will take that color and therefore the God himself can be partial, God himself can be jealous, he can be angry. So this was the God of wrath, the anger. And then God punishes uh, kind of Adam and Eve for defying his order. And uh, therefore uh, there is a fall. They come to the earth. They are thrown on the earth from the paradise, from the, this garden. And uh, their coming on the earth is, is a kind of punishment. So they are not coming happily here. They are coming here as a kind of punishment. And the God is up there somewhere in, in the heavens. He's, he's not here. And they are sent as a punishment on earth. Therefore, it's a single lifetime they get. It's an opportunity of a single lifetime. You can either find heaven or you can either find hell uh, in perpetuity. So life is a very kind of serious affair because this is only one chance you get here. Okay, this is only one chance you are getting here. Life is not kind of, you will not again take birth. You will go either to heaven or hell after this. And therefore, it's a very serious affair. Life is to be taken seriously. Uh, there cannot be arts, there cannot be music, there cannot be celebrations. And therefore, you would see that many of the hardcore, hardcore means many of the, I mean, if you really read the Islamic and the Christian philosophy, you would find that celebrations are many times banned, music is banned, uh, art is banned, uh, drama is banned, all kinds of things are banned. I mean, they will not even allow you to take a photograph of yours many times. And therefore, uh, uh, therefore, uh, kind of, it's a single opportunity uh, to go to heaven or hell. And remember, they have been thrown as a punishment on earth. And therefore, life on earth is what is called earthly. Uh, so there's a word in English, for example, it's earthly. Now, what does earth mean? earthly means? It doesn't mean divinity. Earthly is a kind of sin. Earthly desires. You have earthly desires, very sinful desires. So life is coming out of the original sin. Life is sinful. Life is not divine. Life around you is not divine. It, it's sinful. It's profane. Uh, it's, it's, it's not divya. It's, it's adivya or it's divyatahin, uh, we should say. And coming here is, is a single time opportunity for you to find heaven or hell. 
and remember who was the one who's responsible for this kind of punishment of being thrown onto the earth uh, who was it who who who's responsible it was eve who was responsible eve was uh, kind of uh, firstly uh, created from the uh, rib of adam number 1 number 2 eve was uh, uh, it was eve who got influenced by the serpent if you remember the story and uh, she influenced she virtually forced adam to eat this forbidden fruit because of which they have been thrown on the earth and so it's the female which is which is actually responsible and remember in all civilizations uh you take chinese civilization you take your own indian civilization you go to greeks where 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 nature is is called gaia or or jaya or whatever and uh, you will find that nature is always a she it's always a feminine purush and prakriti prakriti is always a she across civilizations even in west so nature is a she so if you if you are writing about nature you are you have to write she <clears throat> and therefore female is responsible for the fall uh, she is not a direct creation nature is feminine and therefore it is inferior and uh, therefore once it is inferior what happens is it is a master slave kind of a relationship it is meant to be enjoyed just as eve was meant was created basically by the god to be enjoyed by adam by giving her company uh, by giving him company uh same is here nature is to be enjoyed nature is to be kind of used uh for your own benefit it's it is to be tamed it is to be conquered and enslaved and uh if you read the scientific history of science you would find this philosophy all along all along you would find in the history of science you would find this we don't really have time to go into that because that's a separate chapter on which there can be a separate lecture but uh this talk i would focus only on 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 religion and dharma and so there is a kind of uh, exploitative relation between between the earth and between the uh, between the kind of uh, uh, humans and uh, if if you read in fact i will quote this if you read genesis 1 uh, uh, verse number 28 uh, i directly quote this to you i will read this uh about the 6th uh, day creation creatures on land this is written in the image of god he created them and female he created them male and female he created them and god blessed them and god so so when they were thrown on the earth uh, god was very angry he threw, threw them on the earth but later on when these people had a remorse kind of a thing he blessed blessed he blesses them and and then what he does is what the god does is god blesses them and god said unto them be fruitful and multiply so the first task you are given is be fruitful and multiply you have to increase your numbers remember if religion arises in the mind of some king or emperor if religion is intertwined with politics with with aspiration for political power how do you capture the political power it is only by increasing our numbers okay this will typically happen in in a democracy so god said unto them be fruitful and multiply and and therefore therefore you would see for example church has been against the use of uh, of uh, uh, contraceptive uh, devices uh, they want your 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 
your population to increase actually. And the Ummah should increase in the Islamic language. And then God says that, and replenish the earth and subdue it. So the language is subdue it, go and subdue the earth. Now this is a very aggressive kind of a language. You don't have to live along with other creatures. You subdue them. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. So you have a dominion. So as humans, what has happened is, firstly, you are told by the God himself that you have complete legitimate right to exploit nature. You have a dominion, Adhiraj. And this is granted by the God himself. So you're, you as humans, you have a legitimate right to exploit the nature around you. And remember, when this is said, this means this lays the foundation for the, for the environmental degradation which, which has taken place in the past few centuries. Uh, this lays the very foundation of that, actually, because God has made it a legitimate right uh, to exploit kind of nature and exploit all the animals because you have this dominion for you. And remember, God is not here. The God is sitting somewhere up there in the heaven. The up is a very kind of, it's a strange idea because what is up to you will not be up to, uh, to the Americans. Uh, they are on the other side of the globe. But in any case, uh, I mean, you assume that there is a heaven somewhere and, and it's up there somewhere and God is sitting up there. So God is sitting over the nature. God is not manifest on the earth. God is not manifest in the nature. Nature is meant for the exploitation of the humans. Remember, this is completely against the concept of dharma. In dharma, what happens is, uh, we, we discussed this, that it is the consciousness itself which is taking various forms. So God is both, God or consciousness rather, we should not use the word God because God is a Christian uh, God. Uh, the consciousness itself is, is Vishwamai and Vishwatin both. It is inside the nature and it is outside the nature. It is both the consciousness. The God, the Semitic God, the Christian God or the Islamic God called the Allah or the Jews God of the Jews called the Yahweh, the same entity, uh, is, is supernatural. He does not sit inside the nature. He is sitting above it. So it's a supernatural God. God, the creation and the creator and the creation are separate. These are two different things. In Dharma, creation and create, creator both are same. You see divinity all around you because the creator himself is there in the, or itself is there in the, the consciousness itself is there in, in all natural forms. But in, in, in religions, what happens is creator and creation, they are, they are separate. And there is nothing divine about it. You are here as a result of punishment. And therefore, what happens is this is all non-divine. This is all profane. And uh, therefore, what you see is that even the animals, for example, there has been a long debate. If you read these debates on of Christian philosophers, you would find that there has been a long debate on whether uh, I mean, it's debatable whether they are alive in the sense of having a soul or not. There was a long debate on whether the blacks have uh, uh, of Africa, they have a soul or not. Uh, so th these are, I mean, once you recognize that everything has been created for the humans, it is a hugely what is called human-centric civilization. 
Okay, so the civilization which results from from religions is human centric. Humans are at the center, legitimized by their right to exploit by the God Himself, by the Allah Himself, or by the Yahweh Himself, and. This is completely opposite to what dharma is saying. Dharma eco, we discussed this. Dharma is ecocentric, where ecology, the entire ecology, is at the center. But in in religions, ecology is not at the center. Humans are at the center, and you have a right to exploit nature. And therefore, this this is kind of responsible for much of the strife that we had over centuries. When nature was exploited like anything, and kind of, we have come to this stage where I uh, I had to initiate a thought on what will happen if tomorrow everyone disappears, and this this is a reality. I mean, uh, global warming is uh, Corona is a smaller thing. Global warming will wipe out civilizations if uh, if, if we don't take care now. So. Um, the difference should be clear that number one, religions don't arise in nature. Number two, they arise in the mind of somebody. They have a strong connection with political aspirations, with political kind of aspirations to get political power. They arise later than dharma. They cannot. Dharma is the natural, spontaneous thing which will happen if civilization is decimated today. Religions will not happen spontaneously. They have to arise in somebody's mind. Religions will tell you that the female form is inferior, and therefore you have right. Humans, particularly the males, have the right to kind of exploit nature for their own benefit. In the dharma terms, there is no question of exploitation because you are part of that that nature which is divine, which is which is you yourself actually. You are inseparable for that. So um, I can go on because there are a number of other reasons uh, why this damage has been done uh, to the environment. But uh, let us stop here because uh, this is an online kind of a thing, and it will become too much to digest. Uh, maybe we can have a session of a few question and answers. So I'll, I'll hand it over to Rahul. Mukulji. I have a question. So you said that uh, monotheism arises in minds of people, mostly with power. Uh, that would not be true for uh, either Muhammad or Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. They would argue. Yes. Yes, because they both came yeah. from. Yes. Yeah, so the idea. Uh, uh, you are right. Absolutely right. Actually, I should have explained this. The idea, original idea of having political. power by virtue of an exclusive god will always come in the minds of emperors and therefore i went into history telling you that it occurred in the mind of uh, hammurabi it occurred in the mind of uh, akhnaten and then once this idea comes there would be many more who would like to claim this idea because it's a wonderful thing this idea is wonderful actually that you can somehow make people to worship you for ages together uh and then it will come into society so you would see uh, from emperors it will seep into society whosoever is seeking power will this will happen uh we know from the history of islam we know from the history of christianity they were all seeking power even moses was in that sense seeking power 
uh, Muhammad himself was seeking power. Uh, he had his own uh, kind of. The aspiration is there, but now it will seep into the minds of even a common person like me. If if my if if uh, my bhumi of my nature of my sabhav is not pure, this will arise into me that I can easily get. And th this is why cults arise. Okay, for for a cult, you don't need to be in, in power. This is why there have been so many cults. There have been uh, so many people who have claimed. Uh, an exclusive god, access to exclusive god, but they were either killed or eliminated because, uh, and somehow it's, it's a matter of great research that uh, Christianity and Islam could reach to those levels where actually people believe on on anything. In this in this kind of you when uh, in this time when actually on a small thing which you post on the WhatsApp, there will be ten people who would be kind of ready to draw out swords and kind of uh, have debate with you. Nobody questions the belief. Nobody. Millions and millions and billions of people are actually believing on the same thing. Now the idea, has, the idea originally arises in the minds of emperors and kings. But then it seeps. Everyone, now today even a common person would know that if he has to become powerful, he can have his cult. It is possible. So, so yes, Rahul, absolutely true. Uh, Jesus, for example, but Jesus never claimed political power. It was church in the name of Jesus, in fact, uh, who claimed political power. Uh, church made him a kind of, church made him Jesus Christ, actually. He was not Jesus Christ uh, in that sense. Church has made, it, made him that. Uh, in Islam, political aspirations were clear right from the time of Muhammad himself uh, taking into this. Uh, I don't know whether I have answered it to your satisfaction. Have, have I answered you to your satisfaction? Yes, I mean, I understand it It flows after it came in someone's mind. Yeah. The other argument they would give, uh, you know, is that to, to the point that you made that if on the thought experiment, that by default, it would all be nature worship. Uh, yeah. And the idea of a monotheistic God as an all-powerful outside of nature would not naturally arise. But once again, Muslims would argue that uh, it is in the, in the spirit of prophethood that actually it is, it is heard from um, you know, divine sources. And I could actually carry that argument forward even Shrutis in our own tradition are not um, things which are of or not you know the scriptures which are considered shrutis are not of human origin they are considered of divine origin because you heard them and then you carried them forward it yes. is not as distinct from smriti so i mean in all types of religions or even in dharm dharmic side one could argue that things are of divine origin and they would come naturally uh, in order of, you know, in, no, in normal natural order as well. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 I would try to answer that. Uh, see, dharma does not arise in the name of a particular individual or in the mind of a particular individual. The truth is accessible to everyone. 
anyone who, who wants to have access to the truth, the truth is universal. The gods are universal. Uh, you cannot have access to a single mind. So in dharma, when dharma arises, the entire, and we did this thought experiment, when the memory was gone, it would spontaneously arise in the mind of everyone. And the truth will be available to everyone, anyone who's trying to make an experiment, anyone who's showing his willingness, the truth is ready to descend upon him and tell him that what is the nature of uh, existence. In, and that is why you, if, you, if, you, if you read the, the Hindu uh, Vedas or Upanishads, nobody is, is, is claiming that it happened in my mind. There is no authorship of that. It has happened in the minds of numerous people. It has been heard. The Shruti has been heard by numerous people. You and I have equal amount of uh, possibility of that. If we do our experiments properly, if we live our life properly, we should have the same kind of Shruti uh, descending upon us, which is very fine. But in, 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 in religions, this is not the case. It is the truth is not verifiable. It arises in the mind of a particular person at a particular time, at a particular geographic space. So it is happening to a particular person. And then that person is saying, you cannot verify it. You have to be a believer. And therefore what happens is immediately the followers are believers. You have to keep on believing now, whether that truth was truth, you don't know. And I also give you a hint that it is extremely important, at least in the Indian philosophical context. There is a whole process when you do meditations, there is a whole process of purification. You have to have the virtues of Tyag, Aparigraha, Satya, Brahmacharya, etc., etc., all kinds of titiksha. Uh, <coughs> you have to have these qualifications you have to render yourself pure because that can be heard see we are like vessels we are like vessels if if there is a color to vessel the water will appear as colored now if, if you are pure you lose all colors of your personality in that case what happens is the reality descends and you know the reality in that case in in case of uh, semitic uh, religions what happens is the medium need not be pure. The prophet need not lead a life of purity. The prophet need not lead a life of uh, of uh, of uh, what what is what is considered essential in the in the in the dharma. Prophet can be just a person. It so happens that the grace falls in on him, but he is not pure. There is no question of meditations. There is no question of. Uh, of, of any kind of qualification for that. It just happened that he was the chosen one. And that is why the, the world is chosen one. He is chosen by that. Uh, uh, now, if he is a chosen entity and he is not pure, what will happen? The question is what will happen if, he, if, he, if the vessel itself is not pure? Then there will be potential for huge damage in future because what happens is the vessel itself was not pure, the medium itself was not pure. He interprets, even if it is a divine invocation, which is a, it's a divine thing which he's hearing, he would have a tendency because his man is there. Okay, He will have a tendency to interpret things in his own interest. 
in his own desires, way of desires. And therefore, it happens that even for yogis, I mean, it happens if you are on a good state of meditation and you want wealth, wealth will come. If you want uh, women, women will come to you. If you want fame, fame will come to you. And therefore, a yogi has to be kind of uh, rid, has to, get, has to purify himself, get rid of all these things uh, before he can uh, venture into samadhi and other things. But there is no qualification. This person is a chosen person. And his life is considered divine by the followers just because he was chosen. And there is no basis of choosing. I mean, you have to believe that this, this thing has happened. There is no basis of confirmation of that. Uh, whether that Shruti is, is, which he heard can be confirmed by others. It is not possible. A Muslim, for example, cannot even by, by leading a life which is completely kind of uh, in, in conformity with, with Hadith and Quran, etc., with the Sunnah, etc., etc., he will not have access to the truth. The truth is exclusive. It is limited only to the Prophet. It is not for everyone. And therefore what happens is, this is the major difference. In, in, in our system, in the Dharma, Shruti is heard by everyone. It is possible. Even today, I mean, you, you do an experiment and you will find the Shruti happening to you. You would confirm what is there in the Shastra and you can go against the Shastra. So Shastra is not everything. Your own experience counts. Your own experience of the truth matters. Uh, there, what happens is the scripture becomes all important, primarily because it has been heard by somebody, by a specific person, and which cannot be confirmed by the masses. It's, it's not possible. I, I, I don't know whether, again, I have answered you properly. No, no, yes. Uh, yes, you're answering. Uh, I think this, uh, this choosing without without rhyme or reason has always sounded completely absurd to me and uh, whenever you argue there is there is no uh, there is no counter argument no favorable argument that ever comes across from the other side thank th thank you mukulji I, I i really don't have a question as such and uh, uh, i just uh, uh, want to put my gratitude that uh, the line of thinking or the thought process that you provoke today Exactly, this is something I had been thinking for a very long time. The same same pattern on which you have put the things, and uh, this was the thing that clicked me most. And uh, thank you very much for uh, for really uh, explaining these things to me, which were a bit hazy uh, till now. Uh, my only request to you is that um, I mean, um, is there something? I mean, have you put these thoughts together in some blog or somewhere or in some book or? anything that I can access it more. Uh, sir, I'm uh, currently in the midst. In fact, that is why I, I this talk has happened so late because I am in the midst of writing uh, a book. Uh, I never thought of this, but it happened suddenly uh, out of nowhere. The, the Corona gave me an opportunity to get uh, some time. And I am in the midst of that book. I think that book would release itself by Maybe I expect maybe Diwali time or maybe later, but it will come this year. I'm putting everything which I understand there. I don't know how uh, pure my understanding is. That is for everyone to decide. But uh, whatever I have understood from life and whatever I have understood from the Ashirwad and, and blessings of, of my own gurus and others, 
uh, I'll be putting in that. So it will it will come, sir. Uh, maybe if you can give me a mail, I will try to send a PDF or, or something later on. It, it would surely be published. Uh, Mukherjee, it was wonderful listening to you. Yeah. This exposition of uh, the connection between dharma and nature. Now, we believe in this unitary aspect of dharma and nature. Now, what about Advaita? It says uh, Vishnu is separate and the souls are separate. Now, would see, that's also a part of our Hindu uh, beliefs and thinking, what Madhvacharya said. Now, would you like to say something about that? Sir, as I understand this, uh, Hinduism is a, is a unique uh, kind of ism. Uh, it's a unique kind of uh, philosophy which recognizes duality as well as the Advait, both. So it recognizes the world. So till I am there as an individual, till I exist as, as Mukul Kushes, let's say, then I have to have a creator. I have to have somebody who sustains me and I have to have somebody who destroys me. So there is a concept of, as you said, Vishnu. So Vishnu is right now sustaining me. Till I am Mukul Kulshrisht. The day I go into Samadhi, Nirgur Samadhi, absolutely, I lose my individuality. That day, neither Vishnu exists, nor Mukul Kulshrisht exists, nor the world exists around me. That day, I am pure bliss, pure consciousness. So this is Dvait, Advait, both. There is a lot of debate, as you say, uh, amongst the Acharyas, on Dvait and Advait. But for those who practice this, this uh, who know about this, for them it is obvious. The moment you exist, the gods will exist. Vishnu will exist. Shiva will exist. Brahma will exist. There is somebody who has made you. The moment you lose your own, what should I say? I mean, you, we are all vessels in that sense. So the moment we lose our vesselhood, the moment, that very moment, we will become all and uh, we would become what is consciousness behind all these god forms so the point is the moment you lose your and this is a gani i mean this is a gani gani has no personality he is not there even though we can see him as a body he is no more there and uh, therefore for a gani the world does not exist and it does simultaneously exist if he wants to see it because then he has to move invoke his his own personality in that case so he's he can see both uh, if he wishes, but in the absolute terms, the world will disappear. Uh, so the world is there and all these devatas, including uh, Brahma, Vishnu, Mahesh, all are there till I am Mukul Kulshesht and till you are, uh, what, I'm sorry, I, I forgot the name. Uh, so till we exist, yes, the, there is a creator for us, there is a sustainer for us, there is a destroyer for us and we have to worship them. But the moment we cease to exist in the highest states of uh, yoga, uh, which is becoming, yoga means itself in, in fact, means becoming one. The, that very moment the world will disappear. If the world disappears, the gods who made the world, the gods who sustain the world, the gods who destroy the world will also disappear. So this is the beauty of, of, of uh, Hindu dharma, Sanatan dharma, that you have both in place. You have a world and the world is therefore uh, kind of is to be worshipped. 
is to be revered you have to be a karm yogi because the world exists for you and uh, till it exists you have to be a kind of karm yogi and you have to do whatever comes to you as as uh, naturally comes to you and that is dharma so till then you have a dharma but once you are a gyani the world will lose its meaning dharma will also lose its meaning you are into consciousness which is all alone and then you see that in this consciousness there arise worlds and there's that that the consciousness itself sustains the world and then the consciousness itself destroys the world then you see everything passively uh, without taking part in in the in the entire creation but till you are there the gods are there so i i don't know whether i have successfully explained it to you uh there is a question from alok tripathi ji how does the process of present social development uh especially links to heinous crimes can be stopped with a dharmic link, link of religion and nature worship where is the scope of crime yeah yeah sorry please complete this no that's it Yeah. I wasn't sure if this is within the context of the. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Everything is within the concept context of dharma or religions. Everything, everything. Uh, it's it's fine. It, it's very fine. Uh, if you are into dharma, where how can you create a crime again? How can you do a crime against somebody? Uh, we saw this in this talk earlier. That you you realize at some point of time that you yourself are taking various forms. when you are harming nature for example you are harming yourself actually it, it is not a third party you are one with the nature all you are worshiping as a form of divinity everything is divine where is the question of crime coming into this and therefore if you read the works of in history if you read the works of uh, of um, visitors who you i mean our own historians but the visitors megasthenes for example or aryans uh, indica or if you read phayan uh, or if you read uh, uh uh this person who came in harsha's time uh sang uh, if you if you read their works they are kind of they are saying that crime is very little there is hardly any crime people once they say they, they say something there is no written document there uh, just by saying people would kind of and supposing it happens that i take money from you and i'm not able to return the role of the court was only that you go there and both of us will agree yes he has taken money but he is not able to return so so there is no lie in that this was the only crime and there were punishments then prescribed for this because the the role of the raja is to provide justice and give dand both uh, have to be done uh, simultaneously so 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 in this society this kind of society crimes like you see today uh, and the society is extremely open is is not a closed society i mean why would you rape somebody i mean you can propose somebody you can uh, there, there is no issue i mean as far as both the parties are agreeing that there, there are all kinds of vivas which are possible so this was a very very open society extremely open society now what has happened is in the thousand years of slavery that we had firstly the islamic slavery then the christian slavery 
we have completely kind of lost track of what dharma is we think that dharma is another religion that is where the problem lies and if dharma is another religion then you kind of get mixed up which which is what is the problem of secularism also you get mixed up you mix up the values of of of, of uh, religion you bring it into dharma and then there are all kinds of problems the the point is the crime is done against whom if there is an exclusive god in terms of religion only my life is important and my property is important only to the extent that i follow that religion the moment i don't follow i'm not a follower of that particular prophet uh, and that particular book that moment i have no rights and therefore what you call crimes uh, somebody raping somebody having love jihad is not a crime from their point of view you have to be clear about it we have to be as a society we should understand this. this this is not a crime from their point of view they are doing what they are supposed to do they are exercising their legitimate right which has been given to them by their own exclusive god and by their own exclusive prophet so the crime with and they will not do this amongst themselves the umma is not to be kind of uh, kind of uh, Uh, so there are rules uh, for that okay there are heavy punishment for that if you do it against a fellow person fellow believer uh, but against the disbeliever what is the value of your life or my life is 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 nothing we are as good as our our women are property i mean you read quran and it comes there their property whatever is in the right hand is is theirs by by it's it's, it's, a, it's a legitimate right which which the god has accorded so the the way to reduce crime is possibly through dharma but i don't know whether we can have that kind of uh, dharma coming back in this kalyug uh, we need to have some saints who can actually reestablish that value system automatically people are not criminals from inside it is just the wrong belief it's just the wrong belief of theirs which is making them criminals do crimes against others who they don't even recognize there is a crime done very valid last point um, dr kinra delst actually uh, has written about this or spoke about this that it is we keep blaming aurangzeb for example for how horrible he was and he says actually aurangzeb may have been a very pious man he was the blame is not the problem is not aurangzeb the problem is the doctrine that aurangzeb followed yes the the problem is never never an individual as such but that individual is is taking life from a particular framework he is seeing life from a particular framework now if he sees life from the view point of dharma then he becomes one with everything then life is divine everything is united you are connected with everything it's a web of life you can't harm others because you are harming yourself if you are looking at from the point of religion then the religion divides uh, everything it divides time into two parts so there is an age of of uh, of darkness before the religion came into existence and there is a time of illu- kind of uh, knowledge uh, which comes after so there is a age of jahiliya and there is a age of ilm uh, in, in 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 islamic terminology it divides space into two parts so and there are lands of the believers 
and there are lands of those who don't believe typically the heathens in christian uh, framework and typically the kafirs or the mushriks in the islamic framework so there are lands of the believers uh, typically for example in islam you would call them uh, you would call them uh, darul islam and uh, typically the lands of non believers or kafirs which are called as darul harb and the religious duty would tell you to actually convert the darul harbs into darul islam so that becomes the religious duty and similarly uh, in terms of humans uh, either you are a believer momin or you are a kafir this is the root cause in fact where crimes arise because you are nobody to them i mean your life is worth nothing in any case we should understand it very clearly in any case we are if you are following dharma if you are not a believer in any case you are going to the hell you are a fodder for the hell what is the value of your life in any case let them enjoy your life this is this is what at least somebody some believer is able to enjoy your life uh, your life your property your women your sons daughters whatever uh, from their point of view okay because in any case you are the fodder for the hell what is what is the it's a worthless life you are living uh, un- until unless you you believe on them so it, 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 it's it's a kind of uh, different kind of a perception to life Uh, the world is divided into two parts time is divided into two parts space is divided into two parts there are believers there are non believers believers have their divine duty fixed up convert the non believers capture their lands the rule of religion is to be established everywhere okay so this this is the value system if we understand that then we will stop probably to to kind of um, it's a good thing that we are saying that Aurangzeb was not a kind of uh, which is fine, but we should understand that it is not the person till the philosophy is alive. It is not persons don't matter. Persons don't really matter. You had USSR uh, where uh, uh, communism, uh, everyone was a communist kind of. Uh, what happened? I mean, the philosophy is gone. Is the same people living? Uh, I mean, they have shunned away communism. That's it. Uh, philosophies are important. it's not the people so it's it really somebody has to be blamed it is it is not a person a particular person it is the philosophy behind it what is the islamic mindset which is telling aurangzeb to do this what is the christian mindset which tells a particular kind of or let's say british to invade all countries reach everywhere including new zealand australia capture us uh, go to these lands what what was that philosophy it's is is it's god telling them to actually be fruitful multiply go everywhere take their lands convert them to this belief and when conversion takes place obviously their political power gets magnified so this is this is what is religion we we need to understand clear distinction between religion and dharma so maybe a last question i know there are no more questions coming forward but what do we do about this uh, how do we and i know there may be an obvious answer that uh, muslims have to be awakened and especially from an indian context what do we what do we really do about this instead of only leaving it to say saints to come and uh, rejuvenate and do a ghar wapsi or whatever else to the extent i understand 
the rejuvenation will not take place without a spiritual power so there is a supreme need for a spiritual power these days these are the days of degradation and your saints have uh, have have their own issues and own problems this will also not be possible if we try to convert muslims as such i think there has to be what 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 has happened in in these 1200 years of slavery is that we have lost the meaning of dharma itself if we are into the dharmic mode if we understand our dharma properly yes we will immediately recognize that religions are are a different thing altogether these are not dharmas these are not religions it's only in the name of god is being invoked only the name of god is being invoked for a personal kind of benefit which can be uh, which can be had from the political power we should understand this very clearly and if you understand if i go to the street uh, would i be killing every dog that i find that is barking upon me if i understand i would take my own route but i don't know whether that is also a proper approach or that is also a proper because a significant portion of ours we have bled for this 1200 years we have as a society as a nation we have been bleeding our both hands of this uh, motherland are cut into the forms of uh, uh, cut off uh, in the forms of uh, pakistan and bangladesh and we are likely to lose many more lands if, if this continues so we have to be aware of our own philosophy our own dharma first to make a distinction clear distinction between religions and dharma it should be clear in our mind because unless this is clear in our own uh, kind of society and it is not at all clear i mean why why are our our girls, girls falling into this jihad uh, love jihad trap we are not able to give them sanskars this is what is happening parents are unable to do this education is unable to do this i mean education system again if you if you see the first five uh, uh, the first five education ministers of india four of them were muslims what kind of education system have we built uh, and one of them the first one maulana azad in whose name i sit in this institute uh, ruled for almost 11 years he had no formal uh, western degrees no phd's no uh, no no ma no no ba he was only an completely islamic scholar completely islamic scholar now somebody who is a complete islamic scholar what what will he do to education we we don't as a society we have failed to kind of um, and and that is why the works of these people the indic people uh, indus university sangam talks this this is extremely important ashutosh uh, thakur these these are the people who 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 can lead us into i mean a new kind of awakening if if not the saints it will eventually happen only with the sankalp of a saint but then and even these people are i can say with a lot of authenticity are are there because of those sankalps but they are doing marvelous amount of excellent good work i mean if we, we reach people if we tell them what is dharma it takes no time it takes no time because you have the seed inside you of that dharma being in this civilization this will fall i mean this the secularness the understanding that religions and dharma are same this will fall within no time it just goes 
uh, it takes no time it has happened in my case i was a complete secular having my all my degrees from iit etc etc completely secular it took no time with spiritual uh, things coming to you it takes no time for people to understand and to change so we have great future but we should understand what is religion what is dharma what is our duty will come immediately to us when we understand the concept of dharma uh, of course there is a big fight in and india is a strange kind of confluence uh, i am writing this in my book it's a strange confluence where every single philosophy has come in i mean communists are there islamists are there christianity is there you are headed with and your own people who don't understand uh, we are really for a tough fight uh, all our energy is basically going in in fighting these issues in trying to understand in debating these issues when actually this country should have liberated itself and in these 70 years plus of of its independence it should have gone on to another level countries like japan who were destroyed in the second world war have look at where where they have reached by virtue of nationalism how will you find nationalism here when your history is lost when all symbols are corrupted of your civilization i think the first thing is that we 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 take care of our own home try to understand what is dharma uh, and what is religion this is extremely important and then once we have taken care of our own home then possibly we can we can um, and people will convert within no time they are our blood they are not outsiders uh, they have it in their blood the only thing is uh, they have been appeased to this extent that today they have become absolutely kind of uh, obstinate absolutely unwilling to change but people will convert when the time comes truth is is immensely powerful truth is immensely powerful no amount of belief or anything will can can stop the march of truth truth is is a huge power dharma is a huge power we need to unlock that power that is what